0: Well, those are, um, famous farewells. Uh, some of them you may recall. Some of you may go, what in the world? That last clip was, uh, was the second Newhart show where he actually, um, was dreaming, supposedly, that show from the first one. I don't know what famous farewells um, you will remember, but there are all kinds of famous farewells. There are uh, rock groups that have had their famous farewells, all the way from the Eagles to the Who uh, to groups like Kiss. Some of you remember athletic farewells, like the Lou Gehrig one. They had the Joe Maurer farewell, or some of you recall the Brett Favre farewell in 2008, and seven, I think it was in 2008 again, and then in 2009. Some farewells just keep going on forever and ever. Um, what I want you to think about today when we look at this passage in Acts is Paul has been making these what we call missionary journeys is, is what biblical scholars will call it. I've called it adventure trips because You are to be on an adventure trip as well. You are, like Paul, to be living your life, watching God work in your life as in faith you relate to him, and as you go through your life, it's very much like Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, so that as you go through life, is the idea, you are introducing people to Jesus and helping people grow in faith. So Paul is doing that. He's been called to do this. He is now into his third adventure trip. And as he's making his way, he goes to Ephesus and then decides to go back to Macedonia and Greece. And he goes through all the churches that he had started, all the way to Corinth, and then all the way back again. And when he comes back, he comes once again to Ephesus, where he has another final farewell. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture. And if you look at this chapter, we could be looking at... Um, a bunch of different messages, but we're going to take kind of a 40,000 foot scaled kind of view of what's happening in these chapters alone. So when you look at Acts 20, there are um, what I'm going to look at three things from verses one through six. I want to ask you, who are you traveling with? There may be in, in your life some situations where God might be calling you to grab onto some relationships or let go so that you can make space. For the new that he wants to bring into your life. And then Acts chapter 20, we'll read 7 through 12, which is a really interesting story. And he's asking you what you should let go of. And and then we'll kind of look at why it's so difficult when we see those verses. And then the last is, how do you let go? Verses 13 through 38, which is this incredibly um, wonderful passage of scripture that you can break down and talk about leadership and all kinds of different things around it. We're just going to take these three big pictures of it. As we go through this passage and one of the ways I want you to think about this to make this a little more practical Is that um, I want you to think of um, as God as your father is a good gardener Jesus kind of said that he said in John 15, I am the true vine And my father is the gardener My father cuts off every branch that is not bearing fruit it's an interesting analogy that he gives there. He's, he's saying, in a sense, that his father acts in this way in your life because of who he wants you to be and what he wants you to do. He will, in your life, take away things in your life in order for you to grow more fully. It's the pruning work of God. And so as you go through this message, I'm going to ask you to, to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to give you wisdom... And maybe some things he may be asking you to say farewell to. Not because he's angry with you or he is upset. But he's just a good gardener. And he might be looking down and and the Holy Spirit might say through some of the things that we look at. Maybe this needs to be cut away. Maybe you need to let go of this. Maybe there is as Paul is going to do it I, I look at this trip as his kind of his adventure trip as he goes through Asia and then through Macedonia I, it's his farewell tour trip think of it that way for some of you you may be in a, a, a period right now where you need to take that trip a little bit in your heart and mind and begin to say God what is it and how is it that you want me to let go of something so that you can do and I can become all that you want me to be Not just for me, but especially as I sacrificially love people around me. My family, friends, people you work with, go to school with. Let's pray. Father, we invite you to be the the one who is the gardener right now in our lives. And Jesus, we thank you that we can attach ourselves to your life. And that you have sent your Holy Spirit to even speak to us now. Prompt us with your Holy Spirit to have understanding of what you want to do. In Christ's name, amen. Here's how I want to make this really practical. Um, When a gardener is working, what a gardener will do, if you take this analogy, is they will take a plant and... and, 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 and a good horticulturist will tell you that at times a plant will produce too many buds. Too many buds to be able to, for one plant, to give energy to all of them. And if you don't give energy to all of them, then you will have kind of um, fruit that doesn't fully develop. And so what a good gardener will do is lop off some of those things that that are taking away some energy. Not bad things, good things, in order to direct more towards certain fruit so what I want to think about is sometimes we have too much in our life and that's a real easy to think about when you when you go through fall you you look around you go I just have too much and it may be that God is saying you have too much in your life I want you to kind of scale back because if you have too much in your life and you don't have enough energy to give it to all those things you won't be able to give it to in the way that I want you to your family may suffer or it could be that your work is going to suffer it could be for your kids that your your homework or your school is going to suffer. I don't know what it looks like, but it may be that God is saying you have too much. Another thing I want to look at as a, a gardener comes in a very practical way is sometimes the the gardener has to cut back because of there's there's too much disease, in a sense. It, it's, it's just too diseased. And, and you can see a plant, and if a plant has a, a limb that is growing and it's diseased, and you begin to see it starting to... Um, Uh, get scales or it begins to get brown you realize even after you have given it nurture even after you have fertilized it even after you have cared for it that at a certain point it's beginning to life and begin to say are there some things in my life that are just causing too much drain I've given myself to it I've applied myself to it it doesn't seem to be moving in any direction and maybe God is saying that's something you got to separate from And then there's this idea, not only is it too much or too diseased, a good gardener will look and sometimes it's just too obstructive. If you look at a plant and and the plant does have a branch that dies and if you let that thing stay there with all its brown leaves, what will happen is it it, it obstructs the rain, it obstructs as well it will obstruct the light that comes in. And sometimes there are things in our life that obstruct God's desire for us to be and to do what he's called us to do. So As we look at this passage, I want you to be thinking through those kind of things. Paul realizes this. He has been on now. He's in his third adventure trip. He's coming to Ephesus, and he has gone through all of Macedonia. Now he ends up in Ephesus, and he has in his heart something that helps clarify things. He knows what God has called him to both be and to do, and that is he wants to go to Jerusalem. He's made a vow. He wants to fulfill that vow of giving thanks for what happened back in Corinth he also wants to get there because one of the reasons he wants to get there is he wants to give an offering to that church and once he gives that offering he wants to be on to his fourth adventure trip which is to Rome and then ultimately he wants to go to Spain he wants to bring the good news of Jesus the introduction of Jesus and and helping people form these communities of Jesus all throughout these places that, that, that the gospel has never gone before And so he knows if he's going to do that, he has to have some farewells. And that's what we're looking at in this passage. So the first thing I want you to just kind of put your eye on and and look at with me is in this passage of Acts chapter 20 verses 1 through 6. And I want to ask this question around relationships. Who are you traveling with? Because there may be some relationships that God's saying let go. There may be some where God is saying grasp onto more fully. And in some cases, he may say, I need you to be in a space or a place where maybe I can do some new things. So letting go is important. A farewell is important. So verse 1, it says, When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. And then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. Okay, so the supper at Ephesus, he's just been in Ephesus, he leaves to go back through Greece. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through, and then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life, so he decided to return through Macedonia. So he's going to go like he did the last time, right back over towards, across the sea to Ephesus, but decides to go all the way back through Macedonia, through Philippi, and back down to Troas and all the way down back to Ephesus. That's kind of what he's doing. These people that are giving him trouble, that are chasing him, they will chase him all the way to Jerusalem. They just are hot on his tail everywhere he goes. Those who traveled with him were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea, Aristarchus, Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby; Timothy, Antichias, and Trophimus from the province of Asia, And they went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. Paul knew again the person that they were after was him, those people. So he said, take this way because they're not really after you. You guys get there sooner. They go to Troas. After Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia and five days later joined them in Troas where we stayed a week. What I want you to notice in this passage when we ask this question, who you're traveling with, I want to ask you very pointedly. Who is it that God has placed around you that you are to be traveling with in this season? I want you to notice Paul had seasons in his life. Paul seldom traveled alone. He never did life solo. In fact, if you look at the the life of Paul, he valued life so much, he valued relationships. He knew that his mission was always to be connected with other people who were on mission with him. And so the very first part when you read this passage of scripture, you'll see that, that Paul was often journeying with trusted companions because Paul was one of those people, like we've been saying this fall, he knew that he was better together with others. And so I want you to be thinking about that passage of scripture. There's some practical ways to do that. There are ways that God will bring you into people's lives. One of the ways that we want to help people do this is through small groups. So I've asked, um, Paul and uh, Judd John Renee to come up the excellence and to share, um, just a little bit about small groups We, My wife, Grace, and I With some other couples Have started marriage groups And Bruce has been involved In, in starting lots of small groups And so I thought it would be fun Just to ask Judd and Renee They were in our marriage group This last year um, Just some questions Around this whole idea Of traveling with others And so my first is Why did you choose to travel Why did you choose to get in a small group?
1: So, just to give a little bit of background, for the last couple of years, we've been in a small group uh, with families that have young kids. We've met uh, a couple of times a month, and then and we get together, uh, we have babysitters when we can, meet in person, and then just get together and talk about God and our faith. Last year, we decided to be super Christians, and so we joined a second small group. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that one we met uh, on a weekly basis with couples. And really, we decided to join the groups because we wanted to get to know people better and people in our church better. It also provided us a good opportunity um, to study God's Word together as a couple.
0: Yeah. yeah. So um, last year was kind of weird. We did a lot of Zoom groups because it was hard to do in person. We're doing more in person again, but we're also still doing some Zoom groups. So I wanted to ask you, what was it like? You were in a marriage group. Um, That's how I really got to know you guys through this Zoom marriage group. Tell us a little bit about that. so...
2: It's on. I think it's on. Okay, um, we we actually really enjoyed uh, this group, and um, now in our new environment where Zoom is more common, it's not nearly as dynamic as when you meet uh, in person. But we still found it to be a really great way to to meet up with other couples. I thought we uh, connected well uh, with these other couples, uh, and then also we really enjoyed. Uh, just getting to know each other just a little bit more too. Just a little bit deeper understanding of ourselves. So, so that was great. But the, so the marriage group, what we did is we did a, uh, an in-depth study on the Enneagram, uh, which, uh, basically helps you understand the motivations or, or get a better sense of the motivations behind why you do the things you do. Um, and so, uh, we did that. We did a dive, deep dive into that and then, Kevin and Grace, along with uh, Davey and Sally Olson, came, and they led us through the Enneagram and how to deal with conflict resolution or how to avoid conflict. And so it was all very, very insightful.
0: Yeah, well, we're, we're, we've been excited to do a thing called Community to Connect, and we really believe identity and crisis is the basis of all that we do in that. What were the benefits from your standpoint um, with regard to the marriage group?
1: So to be honest, we did the marriage group because we didn't really know any of those people, and we thought it would be a great way to get to know the people. And we're like, oh, our marriage is pretty good, and if you know, we learn a thing or two, that'll be great. Um, but we actually ended up learning a lot. We learned a lot about ourselves, our motivations, like Jed said, our marriage, and it just we really came away with some practical tips on that, how we, that we could implement that have been really helpful yeah. for us. You know, it just really provided us a way to be intentional, to deep dive into our relationship. when It's a really hard thing to do right now in this stage of life that we're in.
2: Yeah. Do you have any? Yeah, I, I think one observation that we made was, you know, we all, we all have our quirks. And so the, the benefit of, of doing this uh, this program was, or this study, was to kind of understand those motivations of why we do what we do. And so now Renee has a, a better sense of why I do the things I do, and I and vice versa with Renee. So, um, and that has helped us avoid uh, some or getting frustrated with each other at times. Um, it helped us reduce the amount of times that we have uh, conflict. So it's it's been really good for our marriage. Um, but also, I'm sorry, I'm going off script slightly. No, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. I go off script all the time. The fact that we had um, the Olsons. And the Myers to to kind of give us uh, some wisdom and insight from people who had been in the game a lot longer than we well, a little bit longer than we have sorry
0: um, no a lot longer is fine you can yeah, say what you right. want Judd.
2: and but just to have access to that wisdom and those insights was it was a huge blessing for us and so we we really appreciated that and the fact that um, we gained a lot from that those insights but also realizing that. Our marriage is something that is a constant work in process. It's yeah. not something that we just, all of a sudden, you're there, and it's yeah. perfect. It's something, even people who have been in there for a while are still working on it. So, so we really appreciate that.
0: In one sentence, if you were to say, you know, it's traveling together in a small group, tell why you would say someone should do it if they came up to you.
2: Yeah, sorry, I'd have to do it in two. So No, um, just one, just one.
0: I'll Make I'll it one long run, out run out
2: sentence, on Then So <laughs> if you're looking at your your uh, traditional small groups, let's say, give it a try you, you may not find you may find the best friends of your life you may not but that's just fine I think God desires for all of us to be in community with each other and help each other encourage each other towards um, our faith in him yeah um, in regards to the marriage group I would say that if you're married and you have the opportunity to do it make every effort you can to do it it is we found it extremely worthwhile right. so. thanks
0: so much you guys I really appreciate it <clears throat> I don't know where you're at with regard to thinking about God's pruning, letting go, but sometimes he calls you to let go in order to make space for something new. Um, I'm going to encourage you to think about that. Are you traveling with some people really around areas in your life that might be really important right now? Getting to know God's word, um, understanding who you are understanding how you fit well as a couple. I had this last Sunday an opportunity to meet with a number of new couples, and I had one come up to me, and we were talking, and they said they'd moved in from another place, and and the wife of this couple had just said to me that uh, it's been really difficult to find relationships in Minnesota. You know, Minnesota nice. A lot of times it's like Minnesota clicks because we have family. We've been here. We've... Been together for a long time and, and some of what we want to do, and I encourage you is to, is to in these small groups make space or in your life make space. Say, God, how can I allow for someone else to step into my life? Now, some of you are in a different place. You need to be really thinking about there may be some relationships that really have been draining you in the sense that, and I mean draining in the sense that they've really pulled you away from your relationship with Jesus. And you need to say, should I, should I be moving? Should I be thinking through that? I think it's you know it's one of those things where um, if you think of Paul when he was back at one point looking at his mission he said no I can't I don't have space for John Mark but then a guy like Barnabas comes along because sometimes someone has to come along aside someone to really help that person grow but praise God for Barnabas because John Mark due to the relationship Barnabas had with them. Was able to help John Mark grow. I don't know what that looks like for you. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to say, God, what is it that you might be saying I need to let go of and what is it that you want me to do? One thing I do know, and I read this, um, someone sent this to me and I think it's really a a wise statement. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And what we're talking about as a church right now is how do we do this together? Don't travel alone. The community is meant to be just that, that we are together in community and that we do that together. Here's the second thing I want you to note, and this is a passage of Scripture that's really kind of interesting. Verses 7 through 12. What is it that God might be calling you to let go of? And then and in, in some ways under this is your packet, under packet is examples of why this might be difficult. Paul is obviously, he's having a very, very difficult time letting go. And you'll see that as we read this passage of scripture. And I love this little story because it really outs every preacher and teacher. Paul is teaching, catch this now, for eight to 10 hours, which I think I might do this morning. No. <laughs> Here's the passage of scripture, um, and, and, and I think it's a, you could look again at this in a number of different ways. But it says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, which is, they came to worship. And Paul spoke to the people, and, and because he intended to leave the next day, he was going to say farewell, he's going to let go. He kept on talking until midnight. This is Luke writing. This is his buddy. Okay? He's very, I just think he's very honest. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting, and, they, and some of the scholars believe it was because of the fumes of the lamp that caused this guy to be tired. Well, Some of you don't need fumes of the lamp when I look out. You, you, you're already asleep. Anyway, um, and so because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight, and there were many lamps in the upstairs room and we were, where we were meeting. Seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Don't you love that? And so Paul's talking on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. You go, how do you know he was dead? Luke was a um, physician trained in the Harvards of his day. So more than likely Luke was down there examining him. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around, arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. And then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. Now catch this. After talking until daylight, he left. And the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. That's a whole story in itself signs wonders and miracles happen when you start moving into the things of the kingdom it's not about trying to see signs wonders and miracles it's just the fact that God when you're working and doing his work will sometimes come along and, and assist you in ways that cause the eyes of people just to go wow God's alive I'm praying we will see more and more of that because our our community around us needs to see this God who's greater than all their idols what I find interesting here and what I love about this is how difficult it is and how tough it is for, for Paul to let go. He's talking on and on as if, if he could just give all the information in 8 to 10 hours. He could make sure that they got everything they needed and he could leave going, Oh, now I am resting assured they're going to be okay. Now, before you get too hard on a pastor or a preacher or a teacher who does that, what I want you to think about is yourself as a parent. And you have a newborn. And you are excited about this newborn. And then at a certain point you realize we really need a date night. And so you decide to call someone to take care of your baby. Now be really honest. How many of you think wrote out like a couple pages of information of what to do? Right? That's how much Paul loves these people. But sometimes all the information in the world isn't going to make much of a difference. My kids... Have my wife and I watch their kids from time to time. And I'm just amazed at all the instructions she gives me. I don't I and mean, Grace doesn't need it, but I, I get maybe I do. But there's a part of me that goes, I raised both you guys. You're here today. Right? Well, Paul is in this place where he's going on and on the guy falls out the window. I just amazes me he lays his body him he says he's alive he brings him back up. I, the guy is still there and listens to a message that goes to daybreak. That's incredible. And why was it so tough for Paul to let go? Why might it be for you? Well, sometimes it's because you're an emotional investment in something. You ever find that? You know, it could be that you are so emotionally invested in something that it's just hard to let it go. And and if you couple that and think of yourself in a business, for instance, and you have a business and you've got a area that you've invested not only emotionally time, now you've put financial investment in it. And you just know, and everyone else knows, that should be lopped off. There are times it's really difficult to let go of certain things because the emotional investment, sometimes financial investment, sometimes a time investment, and yet God might be saying to you right now about something in your life. It could be a relationship. It could be something related to a work situation. It could be something that you're engaged in, and he's saying, I know you have emotions placed into this, and you've invested in this, but I'm asking you to make room to let go. Sometimes it's our mindsets. And we we don't realize seasons come. And when seasons come, there's a change that takes place. I remember for what, 20 years or so, uh, my sister and her husband and kids would just... All come to our house for Christmas and we loved having them there and their little kids. And then it got tighter when they brought their girlfriends and then their girlfriends or boyfriends became, you know, married. And now you've got such a house full that, you know, we're kind of in this season. How do you, maybe they need to stay in a hotel and we're wrestling through. How do you do this? And then eventually those kids, their kids have kids. And there's a part of us that you want to continue to keep this season going. Let's just keep doing Christmas the same, but it's really becomes really difficult to do it. How many have experienced how difficult it is when you bring someone else into your home, they're married, they start having kids, and then you try and continue to do the same when other families are calling them to do something, right? Anybody experienced that? You may be in a season, and, I, and this is just one example, but you may be in a season in your life right now where God has said, that was a really good season, it was so full and so wonderful, but you know what? It's time to say farewell. It may be time to let go. Sometimes it's tough to let go when I think of this whole idea here because of your fears and beliefs. You ever had this sense that if I let go it'll look on it it, it will appear as if I failed. Now you've got so much skin in the game that when other people see that you let go it looks like, "Boy, and if it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, can you imagine Paul? Oh, I'm just can give you all this information. Can you imagine Paul? As he's sailing away. If he heard news that the thing just fell apart, he wrestles with: Was I sufficient? Did I do enough? You may have difficulty around that. You may have difficulty letting go because it means that you will have to move out of a codependent kind of relationship. You have been covering for a person. It could be at a work situation. It could be in your home. It could be with a child where you have been covering. And now at a certain point, God is saying there are some consequences that will occur that when you withdraw and let go, will show up and it'll be, it's just too painful. And I just say these things again. I don't know if, I, I don't know, let God's spirit and what will sing at the end of this and let God just do a work in your heart. But there may be some things. There may be a, some of you there's a season that you weren't in the church and you loved the way the church was, and, and that season's changes. There's a new season with new coming in. It doesn't mean you let go and don't do anything. What it means is you let go and you invest in a new way. There's just all kinds of ways that God may call us to say farewell. For some, it could be that you uh need to to, to let go and 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 fully just say, God. I'm going to put this in your hands. I just got to trust you with it. Now the last thing is, as is, is we look at this is, is how to let go. And, and I'm going to read through this and just make some comments and at the very end just give you some assessments. So just follow along with me. Acts chapter 20 verses 13 through 38. Paul went by land to Ephesus, es- to where he had arranged for us to join him. While we traveled by ship, he joined us there and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day we sailed past the island of Chios. And the following day we crossed to the island of Samos. And a day later we arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus. Because his vision and call is that he's to go to Jerusalem and then he wants to go on to Rome and Spain. And you have to understand Paul was there for two years in Ephesus. He saw an incredible work of God in Ephesus. So so for him to make the choice to not go to Ephesus was one way for him to put a boundary in a sense between getting sucked in and not being able to leave. And so he decides this. It will go past Ephesus. For he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying up to get Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus asking them to come and to meet him. So first you have to realize he has a vision that's kind of controlling. This, this will help. The how is around the vision. We'll talk about that in a moment. When they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have Endured trials and that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. And the actual Greek is from house to house. That's how, that was the way they did church, from house to house. I have one message for the Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. So now he not only talks about division, he is now talking about the method, house to house. That's how he does it publicly and yet in homes. The method is all around relationships. It's not about a building. The message he says in verse 21 is quite clear. It's all about believing and trusting, not the right things, but the right one, Jesus. And when you begin to walk with Jesus, he will begin to help people move into the right beliefs since their hearts are humble and soft. We try and do it just the opposite. We will get you to believe the right things and then hopefully because you're believing the right things, you have a relationship with Jesus. You are saved by Jesus and then Jesus will begin to start working your heart with your sin, your misbeliefs, everything else. And now I am bound, he says, by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. I want you to keep and mark that in your mind. If you're going to be with us next week, I'm doing this message with Peter Kapsner. I'm hoping I can corral Peter in to, well, anyway, we'll go about that next week. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Next week, we'll talk about how the Spirit leads. Three things, listen to, speaking forth, and following the Spirit. That'll happen in chapter 21 as we look at it. Then, and then he says, um, I am now bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. That's the mission. This is my assigned work from the Lord, verse 24. And then he says, and now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. Farewell. I won't see you again. I've preached the King and I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault for I didn't shrink back from declaring all that God wants you to know. And then he says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed, the shepherd, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my com- constant watch and care over you, night and day, and my many tears for you, and now I entrust you, I'm going to let go. I entrust you to God in the message of his grace that is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart from himself. And I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. He's now talking about his motive. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need, working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You won't find that in New Testament. It was words that were well known that Jesus must have said. You won't find that in the Gospels, I mean. And when he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. And they all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye, farewell. And they were sad. And most of all, because he had said that he would never see them again. And then they escorted him down to the ship. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward, and I just want to share with you um, something that's really important when you think about farewell. And this is this. Um, you will have a hard time saying farewell if you're not clear on what your vision and your mission is. What is it that God calls you to see? Who you're going to become, what you're going to do. As a church, we talk about imagine a church that does whatever uh, they can, whatever, whatever they can do. To serve the people around here. That's our vision. That's what we want to see. People like that. And how do we want to do it? Our mission is different. What you see and what you do. Here's what we're called to do. We're to help every person that we can. To know and follow Jesus Christ. To become like him. If they do become like him. We'll do the vision. I just want you to think about that. When you're letting go, there's a sense of clarity that you need to have around what it is that God has called you to do. And this might be what you need to pray about as we begin to start thinking about how the Spirit is talking to you about farewell. So we're going to just take a moment and we're going to just make space for God to work in our heart and life. I'm going to ask you to really prayerfully Consider as we sing this chorus again about making room. You can think about what has the Spirit of God been speaking to you about, and then kind of ask, "What is it He's letting ask me to let go, and why? What's hard about this?" And and I think one of the best things when it comes to how is being clear on what God's called you to do, and you may need to ask Him that. Some of them are clear. If you're a parent, you're called to be a parent. That's one of the roles God's called you to. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing this song together. Father, we just open our hearts, so you know. We just going to take a few moments and ask you to make room and make space in our hearts for you to help us to say maybe farewell in our hearts and our minds and to really say God is this something you ask me to let go and if he is calling you to let go he will as you step in with him even though it's hard he'll help you to do it just look at Paul it was hard it was difficult so as you kind of pray to the Lord and you ask him to do this just I, I would ask you maybe even open handedly if you feel kind of strange um, to put your hands open up like this um, at least figuratively open your heart and let God speak to you right now. Let God lead you right now.